Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, good morning, church. How's everybody feeling today? It is really good to be joining you here today, whether you're joining us at our Banta campus, our Franklin campus, our Garfield Park campus, or if you're watching at the Theodora House or the Johnson County Work Release or our online campus, we want to welcome you. Can we all welcome everyone right now, including those of you here at the Greenwood campus? We are starting a brand new series today called Tis the Season. It is Christmas time. And today, if you're watching online, you're wondering why I'm wearing a sweater like this and why the worship leaders were wearing ugly sweaters. Because it's ugly Christmas time, ugly Christmas time. Yeah, no, that's not it. It's ugly (laughs) Christmas sweater weekend. And we do have some ugly ones out there today. I I know I'm not going to win, but I just wanted a participation award. So I'm wearing, that's, that's what this is all about. So, um, but uh, there, there's going to be a winner. Uh, I've heard that Pastor Aaron over at the Banta campus is really dressed up in an ugly way today. So I wish I had a picture ready, but nice job, Aaron. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you for being here today. Um, we're starting a brand new series today, and, and it's really about Christmas and what, it's, and what, the Christmas, you know, what, what Christmas is all about. Um, and, and, you know, for many people, Christmas time, it's easy, it's easy to be festive and filled with happiness and joy. And, and, you know, you love this time of the year because, you know, it's just a happy time of the year. There's decorations, there's, you know, uh, these special drinks at Starbucks that come out. Um, there's, there's gift wrapping and gift, you know, purchasing and receiving and decorations and eggnog and mistletoes and Christmas music and there's a lot of things that that people like around this time of the year and many people find it easy to be happy and then there's another group of people that you know Christmas is not such a happy time it's actually a tough time it's a difficult time because Christmas involves you know stress and you know there's more to do and there's family gatherings and there's parties to go to and there's shopping and there's decorating and all these different things that happen and there's relationship tension because normally you know you can ignore some of the relationship tension that you have maybe especially with family and then around Christmas time it comes to the surface why because the family's getting together and you're gonna have to see that person who said that thing last year or five years ago or did that thing and there's still some unresolved issues there and and now you're gonna see them and so that's like oh that's Christmas time and, and, and for, for some of you, it's also, you know, the time where you're going to go through this, this holiday without a loved one, maybe for the first time. I had a friend of mine whose dad just recently passed away. This will be the, you know, first Christmas without, without their father. And, and so for, for, for many of us, it's, it's not this, the most wonderful time of the year. It's challenging. It's difficult. In fact, uh, statistics show that 88% of Americans say that during the holidays they experience elevated levels of stress because of, you know, finances and where are we going to spend Christmas and family tensions and 
It's not the most fun time of the year for many people. In fact, 85% of Americans say they overeat over the holidays. They get off their diet, and two-thirds of Americans say they eat to the point where they feel uncomfortable and have to undo, undo their belts and let it out. You know, and then, and then what comes along with that? Your two friends called guilt and shame, right? And then you got to try to get back on track, and it's just, oh, you know, it's just... The average family during the holidays, the average couple, I should say, argues seven times. Seven arguments over the Christmas season. Like, that's not always fun to do. Like, who wants to sign up for that? I'd love to argue seven times over the Christmas season, you know? Arguments over how much money to spend and family tensions. And it's not the most wonderful time of the year. So what I want to do in this series is kind of talk about how do we navigate the holidays in such a way that we can actually experience joy. If you're a note taker today, I want to start this way. The purpose of Christmas is joy. The purpose of Christmas is joy. How do we find joy in the midst of all the difficulty and challenges? I want to start in the, with the Christmas story because I think it's a great place to start for a Christmas series. And if you know the story a little bit, you know, you know Caesar Augustus, he, dec- he declares a, a, a census is to be taken. Um, and so Joseph takes Mary down to Jerusalem, and while they're there to be counted for the census, you know, her water breaks and she gives birth to Jesus, and there's no room in the inn, so they take the baby and they wrap him in clothing, swaddling clothing, and they place him in the manger, right? Look at verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Imagine what that must have looked like. The Lord's glory shining. They were terrified, and you would have been too. And so the angel had to reassure them, saying, don't be afraid. Watch this. I bring you good news that will bring, what? Great joy for all people. Don't be afraid. Like, I'm here to announce good news. And the good news is that there is going to be joy available to all, not just regular joy, great joy to all people. What? Why? What is the source of that joy? Look at verse 11. Here's why. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. The purpose of Christmas is joy. Good news that will bring great joy. What, what, what is the good news? What's the, the Savior, the Messiah, the Messiah, the Lord? Let's break that down really quick. What does that mean, the Savior? The word Savior literally means deliverer. The one who's come to deliver you from your current predicament. It's, it's like the, 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 the quarterback throwing a pass to the, the wide receiver in the, you know, in the, in the fourth quarter, and, and it's the Hail Mary pass, and, and he catches it, and, and everybody's saved. Everybody was. It's the guy who hits the home run in the bottom of the ninth with two outs, and, and you're down a couple of runs, and he hits a home run. It's the Savior is the one who comes in in just the nick of time and delivers you from your predicament. What, what, what predicament did Jesus deliver us from? He comes into the world to do what? To save us from our sins. And so that's, that's good news of great joy. You no longer have to pay for your sins. You can be saved. You can be delivered. But not only from your sins, you, need, you can be delivered into a relationship with God. You can now have fellowship with God. You can now experience his presence. You can hear his voice. You can 
spend time with him and feel his comfort and his strength and, and actually be inhabited by his spirit. This is good news that will bring great joy to all people. You can live in the kingdom of God, in the presence of God, every single day of your life. And that's, and that's great news. And it's life-changing news. And it transforms us. But unfortunately, a lot of us, during this time of the season, we, we, we miss out on that joy. We don't experience the purpose of Christmas the way we're supposed to. And why is that? In your notes. I believe that's because we are distracted. We're distracted. We're distracted people. Did you know the average person today checks their phone every 12 minutes? The average American checks their phone every 12 minutes. That's 80 times a day. We're distracted people. 48 states in this country now have, have declared texting and driving illegal. Because they know that when you're texting and you're driving, you're not paying attention. And you're distracted away from the, the cars in front of you. And, and you're a danger to yourself and you're a danger to other people. You agree with this? That's the power of distraction. Distraction can kill you. And it can kill others. What does it mean to be distracted? It means to be pulled away. It means to have your focus drawn away from the intended target, the intended purpose, the objective. Back in 2000, Americans' attention span was 12 seconds. I find that fascinating. 12 seconds. Fast forward to 2019, our attention span has dropped to 8 seconds. You know what the attention span of a goldfish is? Nine seconds. I can hold this guy's attention longer than I can hold yours. I can have, my preaching can have more of an effect on him than it can have on you because he's got a longer attention span than you do. Isn't that embarrassing? Now, I haven't like triple checked that research, but that research is out there. That a goldfish has an attention span of nine seconds and your attention span is eight seconds. Some of you checked out of this sermon a long time ago. <laughs> Why is our attention span dropping so much? Well, we, we live in an, an economy, we live in a culture that, that is fighting for your attention. You cannot run a successful business today or, or, or anything, a family, a church, without grabbing people's attention. Businesses cannot get your money without getting your attention. And so now everything is pop-up ads and grab your attention and advertising and flashing and going. And so we're getting bombarded more and more and more with, with companies trying to get your attention so that they can get your money. And so we're looking and we're going and, oh, what's this and what's that? And that's shiny and look over here. There's a sale and this. I need that. I need this. I need... And our attention span's going down further and further and further. And then Christmas hits. And we're already distracted. <laughs> and then you add, oh, well, we got to buy this and we got to wrap these presents and we got to decorate and we got the tree and we got we to have the family gathering and we got to cook the cheesecake and we got to, you know, we got to go here. We got the, the business, you know, the company's having a party and then, oh my gosh. And then also I got to see cousin, you know, Joe and, and, and Uncle Tom who always gets drunk at the family gathering and then he starts saying things and oh my gosh, remember what he said last year. And then there's also the reality that mom's not going to be with us this year. And we just get distracted 
and pulled away from the, from the main purpose of Christmas, which is joy. Do you agree with this, yes or no? So what I want to do in this series is just help us overcome some of these distractions so that we can experience some of that joy. I'm going to give you an idea that we're going to build upon each week in the series here, and, and this is the idea. Attention leads to awareness. You could say it that way, or you could say it this way. Attention creates awareness. You, you'll find this to be true because remember the last time you wanted to get a car, or maybe you wanted to get a car right now, and you know what kind of car you want. It's a, it's a Ford Edge, it's a Honda Odyssey, it's a GMC, Yukon, whatever it is. And now you know what you want, and now all of a sudden you see that car everywhere on the road. Have you had this experience? It's like, wait a second, he has one, she has one, there's a blue one, there's a green one, there's an orange one. Where did all these cars in? Why did you all of a sudden become aware of this car on the road? Isn't it because you started to pay attention to the fact that you wanted one, yes or no? Or, or maybe you've had this experience. My wife and I have had this experience. It's time to move. We needed, our kids have grown. We needed a bigger house. And so we said we, we wanted to buy a house. And all of a sudden, everywhere we drove, we saw for sale signs. It's like, everybody's house is for sale. Does anybody stay where they live? I mean, that's for sale. This is for sale. All these houses. Where did all these signs come from? The only reason we noticed them is because we started to pay attention to the fact that we wanted to buy a house. You with me? This is the way the human brain works. Whatever we pay attention to, we become aware of, keenly aware of. It works the same way with God. It works the same way in the spiritual life. If you pay attention to Jesus, if you pay attention to God, your awareness of him is going to grow. And that awareness is the key to you and I experiencing joy. You with me? Joy follows awareness. Awareness follows Attention. So in this series, what I want to try to do is just bring your attention back to Jesus. There's a story in the, in the New Testament, I think, captures this tension of being distracted and also staying focused. It's the story of Mary and Martha. And the, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and his mission is to go to Jerusalem and to do what, Right? To stretch out his arms on a cross and be crucified and three days later to rise again. To wipe away the penalty of sin. And the shame of sin and the power of sin. So he's headed to Jerusalem. Let's check out the story in Luke chapter 10. As Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village. And a woman named Martha, they were friends. Jesus, Mary, Martha, Lazarus was their brother. They were friends. Martha says, hey, come on inside. You know, she welcomes her, him into their home. Watch what Mary does. Her sister Mary sat down at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. We're going to come back to this in just a second. But her sister Mary does something different. Watch what her sister Martha does something different. But Martha was, say it with me, distracted. There's our word. What does it mean to be distracted? To be pulled away, to have your attention drawn away from what it's supposed to be on. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner that she was preparing. And some of you totally resonate with this. Because if Jesus were to come to your house, the first thing that you would do is start cooking. Because that's, that's just your default, right? He's probably hungry. Let's make a meatloaf, you know? 
where's the yams? Where's the potatoes? Let's start making some gravy, you know? Let's cook them something. Her, Martha's first reaction to Jesus coming into the house was, I want to be courteous. I want to be a guest. I want to fill his belly. And, and, and that makes complete sense to like half of you or three quarters of you. But, but it distracted her. And because it distracted her and it took her focus off the main thing, she comes in to Jesus and she says something interesting. She says, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my sister just sits there on her rump? I added that in there, obviously. (laughs) While I do all the work? Come on, tell her to get up off her rear end, her lazy, and help me with the yams and the meatloaf and the gravy. Somebody, I can't do it all. Do you relate to this? She's frustrated. She has a judgmental spirit. She's looking down at her sister Mary. She's upset. And here's the interesting part. She has Jesus in her house. This is us at Christmas time. The whole focus of the season is Christ. He's come. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, is born today in Bethlehem. He's supposed to be the focus of the month. And we are running and shopping and wrapping and driving around looking at lights and worried and concerned about the relationship problems and feeling the loss of loved ones. And Christ is right there in our house. Mary makes a better choice. She sits down to listen to what Jesus had to say. So listen to what Jesus says to Martha. I love this. But the Lord said to Martha, my dear Martha. Now, I love his tenderness here. He's not mad. He's not angry with her. He's not going to brow, browbeat her. My dear Martha. He loves her. He says, Martha, you are worried and upset over all of these details of this big meal that you're cooking. But your sister, watch this, there's only one thing worth being concerned about. And your sister Mary, she's discovered it and will not be taken away from her. Martha, I don't want a meatloaf. I would have been fine if you'd have thrown some biscuits in the microwave, heated them up, slapped a little butter on them. And because I'm on my way to Jerusalem, I'm, fo- I'm going to give my life for the sins of the human race. A bowl of Cheerios would have been fine. But you got all distracted. But your sister, from the moment I walked through the door, she, she sat down. She sat down and, and she listened to me because the reason I came is to, is to share some thoughts. See, Jesus is a rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. He comes to communicate. He has things to say about life. He has things to say about reality. He had something to tell Mary. He had something to tell Martha. But she didn't get it. Why? Because she was what? She was, she was distracted. I wonder, I wonder what some of you will miss this Christmas season. I wonder what some of you will miss hearing from Jesus this Christmas season because you are sales and go and pain and hurt and loss and 
hustle and bustle. And you, you're not taking time to sit at the feet of Jesus to hear what he has to say. How do we avoid being distracted? How do we avoid becoming a Martha? That's the question I want to answer today. And, and the answer is, is, is pretty simple. We have to realize or recognize that good things can become the wrong thing when they are prioritized over the one thing. See, it wasn't wrong to cook a meatloaf. It wasn't, it wasn't sinful. It wasn't evil. It was a good thing. I mean, it's a good thing to feed the Messiah. He's in your house. You can make him the best. You get your best stuff out, right? You want to give him the best service possible. This is Jesus. You don't want to throw a few you muffins in the microwave with a little butter. or You know, you want, to give, you want to bring it out. Get the china out. It's not wrong to do that. But good things can become the wrong things when they are prioritized over the one thing. What was the one thing? What did Jesus say? Mary has discovered the one thing, and that is to sit down and listen to what I have to say. The one thing is to be with Jesus. That's what it is. That's what this whole month is about. And if you prioritize good things over the one thing, you will be distracted and you will miss out on what Jesus has to say to you this season. Just like Martha did. See, I love what Matthew says in in his gospel. Matthew chapter 1 in his version of the Christmas story. You know, Joseph is about to send Mary away because he finds out she's pregnant and he knows it's not his baby. You know what I'm talking about? He's like, what kind of girl is this? So he's going to put her away, not marry her. Well, an angel comes and says, hey, Joe, this baby, this is the real deal. This baby is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And, this, and, 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 and she's going to go full term, and she's going to give birth to a boy, and they're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to save everybody from their sins. And this is the angel talking to Joseph. Go ahead and marry her. Come on, this is God's plan from the beginning of creation. And then Matthew quotes, the angel quotes Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Listen to what Isaiah says. Look, the virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son, and they will call his name, what? Emmanuel. Which means God with us. Like, that's Christmas. Jesus coming here to be with us. Years ago, I wanted to change the name of our church. When I became the senior pastor, I was like, man, it's so old. When Isaiah was writing, Isaiah 714, that's 500 years before Christ was born. That would make the name of our church 2,500 years old. It's like, man, it's time for a change, don't you think? You know, new pastor, new name of the church. And I thought, I, I can't do it because of what the name means. God with us. It's the whole, it's why we're here. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, when I say the, the one thing is to be with Jesus, I'm not saying that we need to sit down in, in, in a room by ourselves and look at the wall and in silence. Maybe hum. Um, you know. I'm talking about getting alone with God and opening up his word and listening to what he has to say. And 
talking about getting with your small group and, and listening what God has to say through the people in your small group. I'm talking about carving out time for the one thing. And that, that one thing is to listen, to sit down at Jesus' feet and listen to what he has to say. He's a teacher. I think that so many of us lack joy because we, we're not listening to what Jesus has to say about anxiety, about fear, about sexuality, about money, about parenting. Jesus has something to say about all of these issues that we go through in life. And we're not sitting down to listen. We're not hearing what he has to say. And therefore, we're not doing what he has to say to do, what he says to do. And then we wonder why we're stressed out and worried and anxious and popping pills to deal with our depression and all this other stuff. I'm not against medicine. I just don't think it's going to solve our problems. I think what we have to do is listen to what he has to say and then act on what he says and then the joy comes. Jesus says to Martha, Martha, you're worried and concerned about all these details. Your sister, she chose the one thing, the best thing, and it will not be taken away from her. How do we get to this point? How did Mary know to decide to do this instead of helping her sister in the kitchen? Surely she saw her sister. Houses weren't that big back then. She sees her sister cooking the meatloaf. Nope, not going to do it. Let's sit down. Sit. How did she get to that point? In your notes, we have to recognize the insignificance of practically everything during the Christmas season. We have to look at all this stuff, family gatherings, you know, all the, you know, the busyness, the, the, all the things that come, the trappings that come with Christmas. We have to look at them and not call them evil. I'm not a, I'm not a Scrooge. <laughs> My wife thinks I am sometimes, but I'm not, I'm not. I go to the family gatherings. I do the, the present stuff and the wrapping. You know, sometimes I do the wrapping. <laughs> but we have to recognize the insignificance of practi practically everything compared to Jesus coming into our house. The, the Apostle Paul had this mindset. In Philippians chapter 3, he's writing a letter to, to the church of Philippi. And if you don't know who Paul is, he's this, you know, one of the main characters of the New Testament, if not the second behind Jesus, maybe Peter. He had a massive, tra uh, you know, transformation. He was a leading Jewish Pharisee. And in his former life, he had a lot of accomplishments. He was born from the right family. He had the right education. He had all the accolades. He was like a master of the law. And in Philippians chapter 3, he writes this, these statements that I think capture Mary's heart and what helped her to make this decision to sit at Jesus' feet. He said, Paul says, I once thought these things were valuable. What things? All of my accomplishments before I met Christ. They were valuable to me. But now I consider them what? Say it with me. Worthless. They're insignificant. Because of what Christ has done. He goes on and he says this. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ, Je Christ Jesus, my Lord. And he presses in even harder and he says this. For his sake I have discarded, I've gotten rid of, I've thrown it in the trash. Everything else, counting it as garbage or dung or refuse. So that I could gain Christ and be found with him. In other words, here's Mary's heart. Jesus walks into the house and all of the other things that were good things became insignificant things because she saw the most important thing, which was to sit down at Jesus' feet and listen to what he has to say. Food is very important. 
It's not evil. It's not wrong. We have to eat. If we don't eat, we die. But in that moment, Mary says, that's insignificant. We'll eat tomorrow. We'll eat when Jesus leaves. We'll cook a meal tomorrow. Right now, the most important thing is to sit down and be with him. That's the whole purpose of his coming. He's a teacher. He's a rabbi. He's the savior. He is the Lord. What if that was our attitude during the Christmas season? What if our attitude was the same as the psalmist in Psalm 73, verse 25? Lord, I just desire you more than anything on earth. I know it's Christmas time. I know there's going to be some fun festivities and there's going to be some family times and there's going to you know, decorate. I know there's going to be some, but I desire you more than anything on this earth. What if that was your heart during Christmas time? Wow. Here's what I would imagine would happen. You would listen to him more, you would, you would sit down, you would choose the one thing, and, and, and you'd become more aware of him. Because remember, attention leads to awareness, and awareness opens up the door for, for joy. So something tells me that this Christmas season, you will experience more joy. Which is the purpose of Christmas? So my question to you today, my challenge to you today is a simple one. How will you prioritize the one thing? How will you prioritize? How will you do what Mary did? I, I tell you what I do. I'm, I mean, I do it every day anyway, but especially during the Christmas season. I, this is my journal right here. I open this up every morning. Did it again this morning. And I have my Bible and I have a spot at my house. And I open it up and I read through the one year New Testament usually around 6 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock. And, and as I'm reading through the New Testament, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, I just ask God, show me, show me something. What, what do you want to say to me? I'm here. I'm, I'm, you're, the, you're the teacher. I'm the student. And I just write down some things he shows me. Every day, just not much. I'll just jot down a few thoughts, one, about one page a day. And I hear his voice. And then I try to do what he says. And I know for some of you that's hard. It's a hard discipline to create. But you forfeit joy without it. Without spending that time with God, hearing him, listening to him. So maybe, maybe, maybe or incorporate that. Maybe you've fallen away from a devotional time or a time with God. Maybe during the month of December, this, during this, this Tis the Season series, you, you prioritize the one thing. Maybe you let some other things go. Maybe, maybe you do less of some other things. Maybe you do less social media. Did you know the average person has two hours and 23 minutes on social media every day? So you really can't say, well, I don't have time. <laughs> That's a joke, you know. We binge watch Netflix and then we say, I don't have time to spend with Jesus. I mean, it's a joke, come on, come on, seriously. How many shows have you watched on Netflix? It's like, I don't have time to spend with Jesus, really? You gotta get serious with yourself. I'm not saying those things are wrong. You know, we watch Netflix, that's fine. We've watched Stranger Things, okay. Not a huge fan, but I liked it. I'm not saying those things are wrong, but here's what happens. When we prioritize good things over wrong things, I'm sorry, when we prioritize good things over the best thing, they become the wrong things. And we become distracted. So how will you prioritize? Maybe, maybe it's something as simple as shifting the way you listen to it musically. Maybe you make a playlist of worship music during the, this Christmas season. You shift a little bit away from Christmas music and more towards worship, worship music so that you can kindle a love for God. I don't know. I don't know how you do it. 
But I would challenge you to prioritize the one thing over all of the other details so that you can pay attention, so that you can create awareness, so that you can open up the opportunity for joy. Fair challenge? Now, as we wrap up today, I want to go back to the Gospel of Matthew. I want to go back to that moment where Joseph was going to privately put Mary away and, 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 and break off the engagement because she found, he found out she was pregnant. And the angel comes to him and says, no, 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 don't do it. This baby inside of Mary is, is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And I already mentioned this, but I'll mention it again. This is what the angel said to Joseph in verse 21 of Matthew chapter 1. And she'll have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. And here's the mission of Christmas, ready? This is the source of our joy. For he will save his people from their sins. Like, he is the Savior. He is the deliverer. From what? From the penalty of sin, from the power of sin. God and man reconciled. We just got done singing that a few minutes ago. How is God and man reconciled? Through Christ Jesus, through his death on the cross. He paid the penalty for my sin, for your sin, for the sin of the whole world so that you can experience fellowship with God, so that you can experience joy, the joy of knowing God. And some of you need to step into that today. Some of you need to begin a relationship with God today. Some of you need to be saved from your sins. I'm not talking about becoming a religious person or joining a church or being confirmed or being baptized or anything like that. I'm not talking about anything about religion. I'm talking about looking at God, looking at Jesus saying, will you forgive me of my sins? I trust that you died on on the cross for me and you came back to life to wipe away the penalty of sin held against me. I trust you. That's not joining a religion. That's not joining a church. That is becoming a Christ follower. That is receiving eternal life and the forgiveness of sins. And if that's what you'd like to do right now, if you feel drawn into this moment, I'm gonna say a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith. Take these words, make them your own, and you'll become a Christ follower today. And you'll begin to experience the purpose of Christmas, which is joy. If you feel led, will you pray with me? Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. You gave your life to pay for my sin, to save me, to deliver me from the penalty of sin. And so I reach out in faith and I trust you. I ask you to wash me, cleanse me, and forgive me of all that I've done wrong. I place my life in your hands. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Fill my life now with joy, the joy of knowing you. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen, amen. Can we give God glory today, church? Amen.
You know, when I did that, when I made that decision many, many years ago when I was 17, I had someone come alongside of me. His name was Byron. And he was a man at this church I went to. He, he just walked up to me and he said, hey, now that you've put your faith in Christ, I want you to begin reading the Bible and studying it and memorizing key passages. And, I, and, and at that time, you know, this guy looked like Moses to me. He was a retired missionary from Africa. He had white hair. I thought if, if, if Moses were alive today, this, this would be this guy. And so, you know, I'm like a teenager. And so I'm like, absolutely. Where should I start? And he gave me a couple passages to start in and I memorized those passages. And, and I never lost my appetite for taking God's word in. And so that's why as a church, anytime someone trusts Christ as their savior, we want to immediately, immediately put a New Testament in your hands so that you can begin reading it and memorizing key passages so that you can grow in your faith, understand God's will, and begin to understand how God wants to change you from the inside out. So if you trusted Christ today, grab one of these on the way out at your campus uh, in the back of the auditorium there. If you did it online, there's a place there that you can fill out some information. We'll send one of, the, one of them to you in the mail. So one more time, can we give God glory, amen?